0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Outside the Huddles, bit of a special episode of the show tonight, it's just Andy uh, from the usual uh, panel, Uh, but I am joined by a couple of good guests for this evening, so uh, as you'll know we're normally a generalist NFL podcast, Uh, we try to give all teams equal focus across the year, but I'm going to indulge my Vikings bias for once. I don't get much opportunity to do that, so got a couple of people along to help. First of all, I'm joined by Liam from NFL Draft Punk Pod. Thanks for coming on, Liam. Are you well?
1: Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to be on any sort of Vikings uh, sort of podcast, mate. So we'll we'll keep the Vikings theme going, and like I say, I'm going to really enjoy this one. I think.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited about this one. Um, there's obviously been a lot of change in Minnesota. Uh, over the off season and I've kind of not kept up with not being able to keep up with as much as I normally would I've just seemed to have had a really busy period like after the Super Bowl and uh, lots going on so it's kind of a good opportunity to dive back into it and catch up with everything and I think no better person to help us do that than uh, Minnesota Vikings and NFL reporter Chris Thomason Chris, thank you so much for your time
2: Hey, thanks for having me guys
0: Measure is ours, I'm sure. It's um, it's a very, well, you were saying that they've kind of had a bit of downtime, but I guess it's all systems go from about now. Eh?
2: Yeah, you know, a lot of change with the Vikings. Obviously, they brought in a new head coach, Kevin O'Connell, replaced the fired Mike Zimmer, who was around for eight seasons, and then uh, brought in um, a new general manager in Kweisi uh, Adafo, Mensa replacing Rick Spielman, who was the general manager for 10 years and was uh, the executive in charge of player personnel the last 16. So big changes uh, for the Vikings and uh, free agency kicks off next week and the Vikings are about 15 million over the salary cap. So there's probably going to be some uh, very interesting moves here in the next week.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that's the case. I mean, you've just kind of summed up nicely um, the the big the big changes that we've seen, and kind of get to get stuck straight into that. I wanted to ask about the GM position first, because um, you can you're kind of closer to the action. You get more of a feel for what's going on. But was there any surprise around the building that Spielman went as well? Because from from my point of view. Um, he always seemed a very popular figure and kind of someone who people thought was doing a decent job. We were shocked to see him go at, as well as Zimmer.
2: Not shocked, but there was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, some had thought that Spielman... I mean, Zimmer, uh, it was well known that he was going to be gone after the season finale. But Spielman was a bit of a surprise. I mean, uh, he'd been... Uh, the confidant for the Wilfs ownership group really as noted for 16 years, but I think they just decided, Hey, it, let's do a, a full sweep change. I mean, let's just, uh, start right now. I mean, Spielman the la- was coming off, not a good draft last year. He's drafted well in the second round and in some late rounds, but his first round picks, he's had some misses there and, uh, I think they just decided, let's just uh, start this whole shebang over again. We don't want to be in a situation where Spielman's choosing another coach and then maybe we move on from Spielman and what do we do with the coach in a few years? So, hey, it's good to just start new GM, new coach, same time.
0: Yeah. So, leave anything you want to pick up on the GM appointment?
2: Um,
1: um, uh, well... I'd say I suppose now Nugent, he's got to sort of make his mark on the Vikings. Does he sort of, do you think he's going to be prepared for sort of a rebuild or is he going to sort of try and keep a lot of the team together and then maybe sort of try and push them with the cap money down the road and then try and go for another run in the Super Bowl? Or what do you thought of that?
2: I mean, they've pretty much come out and said uh, that it's not going to be a rebuild. I mean, they still have some key pieces there and some of them quite young. I mean, you look at the, the offense uh, slipped a bit last year, but two years ago it was fourth in the NFL in total offense. And they've said they're going to stick with Kirk cousins. And you got Justin Jefferson, one of the top young receivers in the game. You got Dalvin cook who's uh, you know, been banged up at times with injuries, but he should have at least a couple of, productive years left I mean running backs get older quicker than other players mm-hmm. and the offensive line is is doing better than it has done and uh you know one of the key things they have to do is is rebuild the defense so that's going to be the big priority obviously coming up in free agency in the draft yeah right. if
1: I ask you, it's, like, it's okay to ask if you got any inkling of where the Vikings might sort of move in this draft obviously free agency hasn't happened yet we don't know what players are staying. But Patrick Pearson was obviously one of the, the corner that won last year. Uh, Dantzler needs to push on. Do you think it's corner? Cool? Are going to be sort of moving on in the draft? Or where do you see the Hawkins go? In? Do they stick with that offensive line and try and give Kirk Cousins some protection? Because uh, last season, uh, he, he was running for his life sometimes. So.
2: Well, I imagine they've got the number 12 pick in the draft. I imagine if they stay at 12, they'll go with defense wouldn't be surprised if it's a cornerback if not a cornerback a pass rusher i mean uh they've drafted four cornerbacks in the first round Uh. since 2013 (laughs) and uh none of them are still around and they drafted a couple years ago mckenzie alexander a cornerback in the second round he left came back but i doubt if he'll be back he was perhaps the lowest rated cornerback in the NFL by pro football focus. I mean, Patrick Peterson, you touched upon him. He's a free agent. He wants to come back, but you know, they gave, he got 8 million this past year. He'd have to take a significant pay cut to return. Cameron Dansler is still, you know, somewhat of a, a reasonable piece there for them, but, um, you know, wouldn't be surprised if he's starting in some fashion again next year, but they don't have much depth at the spot they bought mm. in Bashad Breeland last year. He was a big failure. And then yeah. you got guys <laughs> like Chris Boyd. And of course, you know, Jeff Gladney was their first round pick in 2020. And, uh, he had a sexual assault charge against yeah, exactly. him and was let go after one season. So the cornerback situation needs to be highly addressed and pass rusher. I mean, we're going to have to see what happens with Daniil Hunter. He's doing $18 million roster bonus on the fifth day of the new league year, which is March 20th. I can't see them just picking that up. I mean, they could turn that into a, a signing bonus and save about 13 and a half million. They could look to trade him. So what happens with Daniel Hunter will play a key role and how desperate they'll be for a pass rusher. Yeah. This
0: is, this is the magical time of year. We talked about this on the show uh, last episode where the GMs just make money disappear, make it disappear out of one pot and it appears somewhere else. It's very creative stuff. One of the players who's in that kind of free agency bracket who I'm keeping an eye on is Tyler Conklin, um, I, I really like him. I think he did a really good job last year stepping up in the absence of Irv Smith. But given that we've seen uh, Schultz franchise tag today, Gazicki franchise tag, there's a market there for tight ends at the minute. Uh, and Joku's another one. So, do you see how do you see the chances of us riding with both him and Irv Smith next year? Or do you think he might end up leaving?
2: I think it'll be tough to keep Tyler Conklin. I mean, I talked to a salary cap analyst a month or two ago. He forecast he was maybe a six to $8 million type player. And if Irv Smith is healthy, I mean, he's the starter. You can't really pay that kind of money for a backup tight end. And if Irv, I mean, I'm not privy to Irv Smith's medical records, but indications last year were that his knee was, was healing. And if he, Develops as expected. I mean, uh, he's going to want a big contract extension in a couple of years, and you can't have two tight ends making huge bucks. So, if as if Irv Smith is on the mend, as believed, I think it'll be tough for them to be able to pay Conklin, and he'll probably be moving on. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's a lot, a lot of expectations around Irv Smith as well. He's he's kind of. It's almost two, two years now where people have been saying he's the next one to watch coming out of that tight end group and it's never kind of happened for him. But he's a bit he's a bit of a hybrid receiver, I think. He's he's not the biggest body, but he's really quick. He's really agile. So he almost fills a kind of wide receiver three
1: position to, as well. I'd say you're correct, yeah. I'd say especially after sort of last year, he was using so Tyler Conklin, obviously getting in positions when feeling and Jefferson were available to uh, catch the ball, then you like could say, You want the player like uh, uh, move tight end that was what he was there to, to do, to be honest. It was a bit unfortunate he got that injury because I was really looking forward to how he was going to play and obviously push on from his rookie year and stuff. But like I say, didn't, didn't work out for two with injury. So hopefully, this year is the year we get to see him.
2: Yeah, Kevin O'Connell, the new coach, singled him out in his introductory press conference saying that he really likes him as a piece and that he can spread the field. I mean, because yeah, like, like you said, he's, he's a tight end, but uh, he can go out wide and play like a wide receiver at times.
0: Mm-hmm. Just going back to that coaching situation then, Chris, because we, <clears throat> we were talking about it on our show, building up to it when the interviews were happening, I know these teams interview a lot of people and, um, and I was taking a lot of um, a lot of stick from co-hosts of our show about the chance of uh, Jim Harbour getting the job coming in from Michigan, um, and it looked it looked to be happening at one point over here. The news seemed to be, yeah, he's coming in uh, a bit of a late candidate, but he seems to have his foot in the door. And then it didn't happen. Uh, he had his interview and we kind of, it was reported to us over on this side, I guess, that he t- the interview didn't maybe go as well as he'd hoped. And there was quite a bit of surprise that he didn't get
2: the job. Is that kind of how it played out as far as you're concerned? Well, Jim Harbaugh gave an interview to the Detroit free press a couple of days after he was in Minnesota and after Minnesota had already committed to Kevin O'Connell and, he pretty much was candid and basically said that during the interview process, he was more gung-ho about the situation than the Vikings were. I mean, I think Harbaugh probably came in with his reputation, having been to a Super Bowl and, and what have you, like, okay, well, if I want the job, all I've got to do is, is show up. And, <laughs> you know, he obviously that wasn't case because the Vikings did not make him an offer they talked to Jim Harbaugh during throughout the day it was like an all-day type interview and uh, Kevin O'Connell is the guy that they wanted to to go with I mean I think a lot of people including myself probably thought that Jim Harbaugh once he agreed to come to Minnesota was probably the favorite for the job but I don't think the Vikings ever looked at it that way i mean i think they really had great interviews with kevin o'connell he interviewed virtually the first time before adolfo named the gm and then they flew out to los angeles the uh the previous week i think january 31st they interviewed o'connell and i think he was in their minds the the leader in the clubhouse and uh jim harbaugh had to come out and in their mind uh you know win the job and he didn't
1: yeah, that's what we heard. We heard that a uh, colonel kind of absolutely blew them away in the interview, and obviously had a, a plan of where he went to take the, the sort of team. So that was the news we saw about. So you've just you know, confirmed that, mate.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I, I'll be honest. I didn't really have uh, when when Zimmer left. It was easy to it was easy to fall into that mindset of oh we want a young coach because that's where the way the game's going we want maybe an offensive minded coach because that would be new and different. Mike Zimmer's all I've ever known as a as a, that's how long I've been watching the sport. Um, but I didn't really have a preference, uh, but. Yeah, the 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 word seemed to be that this guy was just super, super impressive. Um, and it's easy, I guess, to get sucked into seeing what's happened with the Rams and just saying, well, yeah, he can do he can do that again. Not quite as straightforward, but with with the new GM and O'Connell, like this is a really, really significant shift in in thinking and kind of approach altogether.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, they're definitely going on the younger side with both the general manager and the head coach. And when they started the search process, I mean, most of the guys they targeted were younger up and coming type coaches. So Jim Harbaugh, when he all of a sudden jumped into the mix, he didn't seem to fit the profile because I mean, they didn't interview Doug Peterson. A lot of people were thinking that he was a guy who was going to be interviewed, a veteran-type coach, a guy who's won a Super Bowl while Harbaugh wasn't. So Harbaugh didn't seem to fit the profile, but I think once he was willing to come interview, hey, let's give the guy a look. And I think the general assumption was that, hey, Harbaugh's not going from Michigan unless he's pretty sure that he's going to get the job but that assumption turned out to be wrong so um yeah the vikings are looking at it i mean they kept very few people off the existing assistant coaching staff i mean they're looking at it that this is a a fresh start and they want uh adafo menza and o'connell to work together they certainly hope for years to come but obviously they've got to have success on the field if uh they're going to be both going to be around for many years.
1: Excellent. Can I ask you a personal question Chris um who's been sort of your favorite player that you've interviewed over the past few years who's one of the best players out here around the locker room who you've actually got to speak to?
2: Well you know we still talk about him I don't know if you remember he was a defensive back a cornerback who was with the Vikings from 2014 to 2016, Captain Munerland. I mean oh, was, yeah yeah he was the all-time favorite interview that we've got uh uh as writers we have the Corey Stringer Award named after the late Offensive tackle for the Vikings, which goes to the Media Good Guy Award winner every year. And he won it in 2015 and 16 back to back years. And then unfortunately, they didn't resign him as a free agent. Uh, He probably would have won it every year. Yeah, he was. We all, you know, you get players who don't say much, but Captain monoland devastating defeat, would always, you know, talk after games. He would always be candid. I remember one game. Where they pretty much blew, and he pretty much said they peed down their own leg. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, we uh, we remember Captain Munnerlin with fondness here in Minnesota. Uh,
1: Clash, there was a question. So, would you rather look like at an interviewer who's sort of more honest but confrontational, or would you rather sort of friendly or a bit evasive with your questions? What's that sort of Who would you rather have? W- one more time in the question, Liam. Um, who- so would, would you rather the interviewee be a bit more honest and confrontational or would you rather be more friendly and sort of evasive with the questions? Are?
2: Well, I'll take honesty over everything. I mean, I don't know what you mean by <laughs> confrontational, you know, like threatening uh. <laughs> the writers or whatever, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, honesty is uh, what we want the most rather than uh, cliches and, uh, you know, or basically just access, I mean, i mean some guys barely you know talk to the media i mean uh we had a couple guys who both went on to cincinnati trey waynes Mm -hmm. and riley reef who uh barely spoke to the media for years on end and then they both interestingly end up in cincinnati so uh yeah i mean we want as writers honesty and then availability sure yeah that's fair enough i
0: think (laughs) If I'm reading between the lines, Liam, you might have been referring to a former former head coach when you mentioned confrontational. Um, I don't know how, how you feel about it, Chris, um, but I found it very, very difficult to watch Mike Zimmer post-game, um, particularly difficult when we lose because I... It was just a very awkward watch, watching him with the press. He never seemed to want to be there and he never seemed to be able to conduct himself in a particularly, I won't use the word professional because he was professional, but not in a very gracious manner. Um, he must have been difficult to work with.
2: Yeah, I would agree. He was generally difficult to work with uh, for the media. I mean, uh, I mean, there's, there's no doubt. I mean... You've got some coaches who are difficult to work with like bill belichick but uh he's got six yeah. super bowl rings mike zimmer has zero unless you count the one he once got as an assistant with dallas so yeah he, he was and you know i wouldn't be surprised if that went into the equation of replacing him because all indications are kevin o'connell is going to be quite media friendly uh gregarious and and what have you and uh you know, a guy that the Vikings are going to be, you know, quite willing to put out there as, hey, this is uh, a guy who's a face of the franchise.
1: I thought the Mond uh, reply was a bit of a off one for me, to be honest. I sort of, I really expected Mike Zimmer, but to sort of ask, ask is uh, Mond ready to play? And he said, I've seen him at practice. He's not ready to play. But it's just the way you sort of throw a rookie under the, under the bus like that. I didn't really like that for him. And the writing was on the wall for me. And then what the future was ha- uh, going to happen there?
2: yeah that wasn't necessarily the way that uh he said it but uh created yeah. a bit of a minor controversy but i don't even think coach zimmer even knew that it created a controversy i it mean just... he he didn't seem to uh read a lot of what was in in the media and kind of uh generally seemed to be you know out of touch and yeah. with some things and he probably didn't even know that uh, you know uh people were saying, oh, you shouldn't say that about Mond or or what have you?
0: We can't. I mean, sticking with quarterbacks uh, for a moment, there's no more talked about man on Twitter from a Vikings point of view than Kirk Cousins. Timeline is literally full of Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people like him, some people don't. But um, this is a strange year. There's a lot of quarterback-hungry teams we've seen. Aaron Rodgers is signed on now. Russell Wilson appears to be on the verge of a trade. There's a lot of teams who are needing to move on from their their recent or current quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins is very experienced. He is very talented, in my opinion. It's a shallow draft class. It's not the year to be moving on from him, I wouldn't say, but obviously that contract is a massive, potentially a massive problem, so... From your point of view, Chris, what do you think the outlook for the GM and the coach is at the minute? Do they want to do everything they can to keep him, or do you think he's he's on the table as an option to move on?
2: I mean, both the uh, coach, uh, GM, and ownership have come out and said that they're committed to Kirk Cousins as being their quarterback in 2022, and I've got to take them at their word for it. But the bottom line is, what's the alternative? I mean, there's there's no other quarterback under contract who's viewed as a potential starter. I mean, Kellen Mond, from all indications, is a, is a long ways away. I'm not saying he won't eventually be an NFL starter, but he's certainly far from that at this juncture. And they've got a lot of good pieces on offense. So the bottom line is, what's what's the alternative? I mean, you can't yeah. just dump Kirk Cousins without a pretty good alternative. But yeah, his contract is obviously a huge sticking point, especially this year, $45 million cap number, $35, million, 35 million guaranteed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, do you just let him play it out? Do you potentially extend him? I mean... What kind of deal would he take to for an extension? But the thing about the extension is there's a lot of neg- negativity in some circles in Minnesota regarding Kirk Cousins. I mean, he came in much ballyhooed as the guy in 2018 who was supposedly going to lead them to a Super Bowl. And he's been basically a 500 quarterback since he's been here. I mean, only one playoff berth in four seasons, one playoff win. So. Do you really want to, as a new GM and a new um, coach, hit your wagon long-term to Kirk Cousins with this type of ne- negativity? Yeah. And then, of course, it's always a risk when you, uh, you know, ha- have him go into a season as an impending free agent because his uh, franchise tag would be utterly outrageous. It'd be like, you know, $60 million or something. So it's, it's not realistic to... Uh, tag him so do you risk it if he has a I mean I guess that's a good problem to have if he's has a good enough season that you want him back in 2023 but uh, yeah it's uh, it's quite a quandary and it's hampered by the fact that it's not uh, a great year draft wise for quarterbacks so it's not like you can maybe move up in the draft or do what have you and get your quarterback of the future and then, okay, maybe now we can make a move with cousins because the jury's out on all these quarterbacks and there doesn't seem to be any quarterback in the draft. Who's a surefire type starter as a rookie. Can I
1: ask a question? So is there any truth to the news? Like last year we were sort of in for Justin Fields. We were trying to move to take Justin Fields. Is that any truth to that? Cause it wasn't much confirmation. I think it was uh, like,
2: to, to what now. I'm sorry, Liam. What? Sorry about that. Um,
1: do you know, uh, there was the talk about uh, Vikings potentially going for Justin Fields in the uh, last year's draft. Is, was there any truth to that that you know of?
2: Well, you, you know, I mean, I think they looked at all of their options, and I don't think that that was something that was off the table. But at that point, they considered that they weren't going to allocate the resources yeah. to move to move up in the draft and I think that they were pretty pleased that Christian Dara saw they were able to move down get additional picks and get him at a later spot they got some third round picks but the problem was the picks they got haven't really panned out I mean the third round of the draft they didn't have a second round pick they had four third rounders and yeah it, that's been kind of a a disaster. Early indications. I mean, Kalimond. I know they were excited to land him, but uh, I don't think he's developed as thought at this point. Mm-hmm. And then they drafted Wyatt Davis, a guard, in the third round. Yeah, yeah. Chaz Serrata, linebacker. Patrick Jones, a defensive end. And uh, none of those guys played much as a rookie, and the jury's out on all of them.
0: Yeah, I mean. Be- <laughs>
2: It's strange that
0: it's, it always feels like you're in, there's there's two schools of thoughts because there's no point, there's no point sitting in the middle. You're either win now, you're in win now mode. You're going to make a run or you're in rebuild mode. And we just have, we just have too many good pieces to not try and push right into that win now mode. When you look at the roster that we've got, the offensive weapons that we've got. And when you look at, we talked a lot about the Bengals in the past season, um, and how they came and surprised everyone. And they did some really smart free agency business to get from where they were to a Super Bowl appearance. I think there's, there's a real need for us to do the same with free agency as well and spend clever.
2: Well, the salary cap is an issue, as stated. They're about $15 million over, but, you know, there's things they can do, guys. They can release, you know, contracts they can restructure, money move to assigning bonuses. The good news is the cap is expected to incre- increase dramatically over the next couple of years. So uh, kicking money down the road would might not be a huge concern considering how, the cap is is going to go up but I think it's kind of important to note that this is a new regime these guys I mean Rick Spielman Mike Zimmer they had a certain attachment to guys like Harrison Smith who's doing eight million dollar signing bonus on the third day of the new league year to guys like Adam Thielen who has a 16.9 million cap number and he's number two receiver on the team now i mean that's excessive Mm -hmm. and or a guy like anthony barr is now a free agent and is probably most likely to not return so they don't have this emotional attachment to players that maybe the previous regime had so you know there might be some moves that (laughs) might look cold on the outside because guys who have been with them for a while might be moving on.
0: Yeah. I have a, I am seeing that, but I have, I could stomach a lot, but I need to see Adam Thielen finish his career in Minnesota. That, that would hurt me too much to watch him, to watch him go.
2: Well, I gave you the soccer slide there at the 2017 did, yeah. game against the Browns in London. So I'm sure the, the, the Brits love that.
0: He's, uh, he's he's too close to my heart. I mean, Liam, you asked about draft picks earlier. Um, and Chris said probably looking at a back, uh, a cornerback with that first pick. Who's the preference if you got to pick that now?
2: Well, um, Somebody asked me, and uh, you threw out Stingley out of LSU as a possibility. I mean, uh, he's projected as being a higher pick, but he's coming off that Liz Frank uh, foot injury. So maybe that could drop him down to 12 or so. You know, Sauce Gardner is a guy from Cincinnati who some people have yeah. thrown their, their name out, his name out. So, yeah, you know, it's going to be uh, interesting because we don't – I mean – Rick Spielman a decent amount of, it was kind of predictable in the draft that rarely did he trade up he was always going to kind of trade down and try to accumulate some later picks and so he he wasn't it'll be interesting to see if this regime is more uh looking to possibly trade up if there's a guy that they they really like you know versus Spielman, as I stated, hardly ever traded up and usually traded down.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be um, interesting watching. It's hard, it's just got a very fresh feeling, the whole thing. And like I said earlier, it's easy to get caught up in that just because you've got a new head coach and a GM. But it felt like from, from a fan's point of view, it just needed that freshness, regardless of who we brought in. Um in a new because it wasn't, we. I don't know how you feel, Liam, but I felt like the, there was just no progress being made at all towards the end of that regime.
1: Well, that was it. Was it 2017? We sort of had our big year where we thought we was gonna win it all, we were all ready for it, and then obviously we thought Kirk Cousins was that missing piece, but obviously behind the scenes we don't know what was going on. But it just feels old now, doesn't it? All the players are aging. The team that we thought we were gonna do it with, they're sort of aging so. I think it's the right time to hit the reset button. But I think you either—I don't know if you either do a full rebuild or just try and work a few contracts around. I'm not sure. But this is an agent team. The offense is young, but the defense is is very old now. So, like I say, you hit defense and just try and make a run, maybe. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. The crazy thing is how the offense became much better than yeah. the defense. I mean, uh, in, you know, in the old days when the defense as late as 2017 number one in the nfl in both total defense and scoring defense with mike zimmer in charge of the defense and when the offense had problems i mean uh they just got a, a new offensive coordinator <laughs> or some of them moved on oh, to, yeah. you know two of them did move on to become head coaches but obviously john De filippo was fired but uh the defense fell off and has been a disaster the last two years and uh mike zimmer is basically a defensive coordinator, so he can't fire the defensive coordinator. I mean, so uh, you know, you know, the head coach is the defensive coordinator, so he's the guy that uh, that that got fired. I mean, it would have been possibly a different story if it had been the defense still dominant and, and the offense wasn't coming around. So yeah, it, it, very interesting dynamic just in the last couple of years how the Vikings shifted from a defensive first team to an offensive first team and now they're they're kind of joining the trend of the rest of the NFL with a young, up and coming offensive minded head coach. I think that was Phelan, was it
1: that uncovering oh, that Phelan, Gemin drafty, that sort of got digs then obviously getting better. That sort of unlocked something there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was it really. They were just even with our case teams playing well, playing at a high level, just sort of kicked for us at the right time there.
2: Yeah. 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 So the Vikings are going from, you know, Zimmer would love to win games ten to six, and, and now they'll uh, try to win games
0: thirty-seven, thirty-five. <laughs> What's the uh, the fans' perception over that side of the water, Chris, about the Wolves uh, as an ownership um, family? Because on the surface, seem popular, but. I actually overlooked the fact that they don't, they don't live there. They're not based there a lot of the time. Obviously they came in for the, for the processes, but they spend a lot of time away from the, from the area. Is that seen as an issue with the fan base or is it, is it not so much a problem?
2: You know, I think maybe it was with Spielman having too much power potentially because the Wilfs weren't there and, and Spielman, uh, and even Coach Zimmer. I mean, he obviously carried a tremendous amount of clout in in personnel moves. Uh, but now I think uh, the Wolves might take a more active role in, you know, rubber stamping what's going on. I mean, I don't think uh, Adafo is going to have the type of power that Spielman had, and I don't think O'Connell will have the type of power that Zimmer will have. I mean, uh, they keep talking about collaboration. They kept their scouting staff intact, which is pretty well respected. They brought in Ryan Grigson, former Colts general manager, to help out on the personnel side because uh, Adolfo Mensa traditionally didn't come from the personnel side. So, I mean, the collaboration, you know, is great to talk about, but when there's disagreements, somebody's uh, gotta break the tie, and uh, it'll, you know, the Wilfs will have to figure out uh, how they're gonna handle that when uh, there's potential disagreements. Because, like I said, it's easy to talk about. Oh, yeah, we're all on the same page, but as everybody knows, you're not on the same page on everything.
0: That's true. Liam, as we kind of move towards wrapping this up, have you got any burning questions you want to throw in for Chris?
1: I would just to say, obviously, being from the UK, I'm also asking sort of a UK-based question, because obviously the Vikings picked the uh, UK as one of their international markets. So uh, as fans, as the Vikings over here, what can we expect the Vikings to sort of do to to build the game over here? What's, what does that entail, them picking us?
2: Yeah, I'm not, uh, I haven't delved into a lot of particulars, but obviously the Vikings have played there twice in the last uh, nine, eight and a half years. I mean, 2013 against the Steelers, they gave up a home game then, and then 2017 against the Browns. So I, I can't say I'm super privy to what, the vikings are going to do specifically i mean uh, i've been pretty busy worrying about coaching changes and general mm-hmm. manager changes but obviously they're uh that's one of their territories and uh, i'm sure there's going to be definitely some uh, endeavors there i know that there's a united kingdom vikings website that or twin twitter account that they certainly retweet regularly and they're throwing a lot of support behind but uh wouldn't be surprised if the vikings are back there for another game in a couple of years and then we'll probably leading up to that learn more about uh any uh any certain endeavors go- that you know they're really pushing so
1: that's a bit- Can I ask you sort another question as well? Um, Who is your favorite Vikings player ever? Uh, Past or present, who's your favorite player for the Vikings?
2: Oh, I don't know if there's an all time favorite. I mean, you know, a former player. I mean, you know, you look at a guy like Alan Page, obviously, who's just uh, such uh, a pillar of the community. I mean, Hall of Fame player. Then he went on to become a Minnesota Supreme Court justice and uh they even renamed a a school after him in minneapolis a middle school it's called justice page middle school so you know he's a guy obviously i and many others have tremendous uh respect for and uh i mean he was a member of the legendary purple people eaters Mm. and one story that i wrote and followed up a few times last fall was john randall told me that they ought to build a statue of the purple people eaters outside of the stadium and that seems like just a a great no-brainer of an idea because uh, i mean you. you know i know part of the vikings issue though is they haven't been to a super bowl since the days of the purple people eaters 40 uh plus years ago now and uh they uh probably don't want to live in the past that much especially since they didn't even win a super bowl but if you look at the all-time you know vikings i mean there's so many people who became fans in the days of the purple people eaters that uh that would seem to be a no-brainer if you're going to build a statue of anybody yeah
1: that's a great answer thank you
0: love it yeah i think uh I just want to say I really appreciate your time for coming on the show, Chris. It's been great to get a a much closer insight into what's been going on. And um, I don't know, final thoughts. There's a lot of work to do in the draft. There's a lot of work to do in free agency with contracts, like we've said. But this is the year, isn't it, Chris? This is the one.
2: This is the what?
0: This is the year, isn't it, to get it done?
2: what to win a Super Bowl yeah (laughs) well I don't know if I go that far but uh I mean there's always some patience that needs to be extended when a new coach and GM come in but uh you know they need to get the team back in the playoffs first and uh they haven't been (laughs) there uh you know it'll be three years once this season starts so uh yeah we'll see what happens but uh, there is certainly Plenty of optimism among the fan base moving forward, no doubt.
0: Yeah, that's all we've got. If we've got no, if we haven't got optimism, what have we got? You go.
1: That's it, You've you go got okay. more optimism than me.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Thank you very much for your time, though, Chris. We really appreciate it, and um, you know, keep up the great work. We'll we'll all be following your work through the season, um following your draft coverage especially. So. Thank you for that, and uh, hopefully we might speak to you again soon.
2: All right, thanks. Really enjoyed being on this podcast.
0: Thank you, Chris. Cheers, Chris. Take,
1: uh... Thank you, mate. Thank you very much.
0: And Liam, thank you very much for your time as well. Do you give a quick shout-out to everybody, let them know where you can find your work?
1: Uh, that's, um, yeah, I'm Liam I'm from NFL Draft Pump Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at NFL Draft Pump Pod. And I'd say thank you for having me as well. It's been an absolute pleasure, Chris, to speak to you. Nice to get a bit Interacting with uh, the Vikings, I say, supported for a few years now. Speaking to a man like yourself, who's in and around the team. It's it's amazing, mate. Thank you for giving us the time.
0: Thank you. Certainly is. Thank you very much for your time today, gents. And uh, we'll be back on Outside the Huddle very soon. Take care of yourselves. Goodbye for now.